Yo, yo, guys, what's up? It's Aiden Jones. You're listening to Sitting Under a Tree for Tuesday, the 13th of February, 2018. Oh, I'm real sweaty. Is that what you want to hear? First up, I'm very sweaty. I am upstairs at the Brisbane Hotel in Lazy Susan's Comedy Den. Um, it's like two in the afternoon right now in Perth. And, um, I mean, this is the room my show's in, and I just, like... You know, I mean, I'm staying with uh, Jez Watts, who's a great uh, Perth comic. He's kindly given me a room in his joint to stay in um, for, like, you know, the 10 days or whatever that I'm here. But I don't want to go over there and, like, record in his place. And, I, like, I don't know if his girlfriend might be sleeping or he might be sleeping or whatever. So I was like, I'll just come through to uh, the room where my show's at. I don't think there's any shows right now. God damn it, I'm so hot. Fucking, I'm... Oh, I kind of want to like just take my whole shirt off. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah I, just, I, I mean, not you guys don't need to hear. <laughs> this, this podcast is now me narrating a, like a, a, the saddest, sweaty strip show in uh, this room that my show's in. So what, how's, my, how's the show been going? I uh, got here on Thursday night. I've had three shows of the Abisham Flat so far. The first one was like, I think was trying to convince myself that it was okay, but it was actually pretty shitty. But, I mean, the numbers were alright, and I think that people enjoyed it, kind of. But then the Saturday was sick, the Sunday was great, I was very happy with those shows. And now I've just got a week of, like, hanging out, doing promo spots before this weekend. Um, I was pretty scared, like... I haven't really talked about it, I don't think, because last week was the podcast with Phil, but I was kind of scared about coming over after... Like, Perth, historically, in the last three or four years, has been just, like, the land of milk and honey. And that's like I've never been over here for the Fringe, but that's all I've been hearing from comics. It's just like, man, fucking don't even have to try. It's like fish in a barrel, full shows, 80% attendance across all shows. That's the shit I was hearing, like, three or four years ago. But this is my first time over, and, like, I was very excited, and then... Uh, you know, after the first week, I was just hearing reports of like cancelled shows, people playing a just rubbish crowds of like fucking uh, Brett Blake, my mate who sold out his show last year, um, like you know, 100, 150 seats, playing to like seven people, eight people and shit in these massive rooms. And um, the first day I got here on the Thursday night, I met up with Pete Jones and uh, Nick O'Connell over from Melbourne and um, Nick was like, dude, come and do this show in the Perth Town Hall, this showcase, a late show at 10 <laughs> and they were like, just get ready because it has been fucking crazy, like the level of like low ticket sales and shit. So um, we get in there, there have been three tickets sold for the show in a 300-seater and uh, we get into the room, and it's this massive, like, beautiful old town hall, uh, like the main room in the town hall, you know. And, um, oh, fuck. Sorry, I just was getting weird pins and needles in my foot then. I'm sitting on the stage that's, like, m- fucking maybe half a foot high, and my foot was, like, I had my foot, like, lying down, if that makes sense, on the floor, like, kind of half cross-legged, and it was getting crazy pins and needles, and then I just pulled it up and... Does that mean, do I have a heart condition? Is there, pins and needles is real scary because sometimes I think that's like, all right, that's not good circulation. Does that mean I have a weak heart right now? What's going on? And as soon as I lifted my foot up and put it flat on the ground, so I'm like, you know, fucking hell, I cannot talk right now. Um, The pins and needles went away. That was, anyway. (laughs) So we do that show. 
um, well, yeah, we get into this room and it's like huge high ceilings. There's 300 chairs out and there's more at the back of the room, in like folded up, like in case we need more. And uh, the stage is like, it's like five foot high, this fucking stage. It's massive. Um, and we go backstage, the three people come into the room and like Pete Jones said before the show, a very astute observation that like, in, because he did another show, Three Course Comedy, before that, and it's in this like old, it's like the Hellenic Centre, so it's basically just like a function room, and it kind of, it doesn't feel like it's for a show, like it just feels cobbled together, and there were 17 people in there in like a 130-seater, and he was like, in that room, in the 130-seater, when 17 people come in, it feels like they've been had, like they come in and they're like, oh no, you know, this is a fucking dodgily run venue and we've just been kind of stitched up here and, and thrown our money away on these tickets. So they're not happy. And also 17 people is a little bit more than three people in a 300-seater. They don't walk in and feel like, oh, we've been stitched up. They walk in and they're like, oh, someone has made a mistake and is losing a lot of money right now and they're thankful to have us here. And that was exactly the reality, you know? I mean, that's the reality in both cases, but the three and 300 seats can really feel that and tell that, whereas like 17 in 120. Someone, people have been saying, there's been a lot of philosophizing about low numbers in the last few weeks. And uh, someone said, uh, it's great, that's like less than 10 is like a family. And, you know, like less than 10 people feels like we, we're a family right now. We're a tight unit. More than 20 is like a crowd. I'd say like maybe like 25, 30 is like, depending on the size of the room, but that's a crowd where everyone can be anonymous and you can just play to the crowd rather than individuals. So anywhere above the family number but below the crowd number. So probably between like 10 and like 25 is just a shitty number for an audience, unless the room is that size, but normally it's not. If it's like bigger than that, it feels like it's there's not enough people there for the crowd to be anonymous, but there's too many people for them to be like this fun little crew that's just experiencing something together. And uh, yeah, those audiences are always shitty. And that's what it's been, man. Like a lot of those kind of numbers this festival. It did pick up over the weekend. On Saturday it was good, Sunday's getting better, so I'm hopeful for this weekend. Um, and anyone who doesn't care about comedy now and like the inside business of comedy has probably switched off. Um, what else do I want to talk about? Oh man. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I made notes, didn't I? Fucking stupid. I had brunch today with uh, just a mate. We went to brunch and like she brought fucking dogs to brunch. Uh, I don't know what it is with dogs, man. I don't get it. I'm a, like, one of them was like a staffy. This is what, as a kid, I remember other kids talking about dogs and they were like, what kind of dog is it? It's like a this cross with a that. And I was like, how do you fucking know that? I don't care about dogs, you know? Um, so my mate brought two dogs to brunch that we had earlier. There's this lovely spot called Flora and Fauna in Northbridge, which evidently is like the hipster kind of spot in Perth. And uh, she brought the dogs to brunch and it was like, they w like we walked there, we met up and then we walked there with the dogs and it was like hard and I'm like trying to hold one on the leash but the leash is kind of around its snout so I went too hard at one point and my friend was like, hey! And I was like, oh sorry, I gotta know. And then uh, it was just a lot of effort to get them there because they were like six months old and then the staffing's like three months old, so real young. 
and we get to brunch and like obviously all the like girls at the brunch place are just going nuts I'm like oh my god like that face that girls make when they're like it looks like they're about to cry because something's real cute and they're like oh <laughs> and their fucking eyebrows or their furrowed like brows are all going creased with cute I don't understand that reaction man and uh, but like that was you know fun briefly. But then we sit down and it's like the dogs don't want to sit down. They want to like wander around. And it just dogs have no respect for brunch, you know. Nor should they. Brunch isn't for them. It's for people. So why are we bringing dogs to fucking brunch? I don't understand why they... Ugh. It just... This is brunch. This is a, an esteemed institution. That we are supposed to be sitting down and enjoying nice food and coffee and company and talking and taking pictures of our nice food. And it's, it's nice. It's a nice thing that people who aren't nice do to escape their poor lives, you know? It's like... And, and bringing dogs to it, it's like this is no longer brunch. This is fucking dog sitting while you're trying to juggle the responsibilities of taking care of something that doesn't know how to take care of itself and eating a nice thing. You can't do the two at the same time. So the whole time we're at brunch, these two dogs are just like under our fucking table. And, uh, and my mate's got a leash things like tied together for the dogs but they're wandering and she's trying to step on the like bag that the leashes are tied to so they don't get away while she's eating a thing that she doesn't even finish because she can't concentrate and fuck man never bring dogs to brunch it's not worth the reactions of the people who love them just walk your dogs near the brunch spot anyone who likes can come over interact then fuck the dogs off and order some banana bread as like by yourself as a human. God, I don't like dogs. <laughs> They're fucking annoying. I just don't need that responsibility. I don't know. I just... I mean, I knew the dogs were coming. What would I have rather us done? I wish there was a thing where you, like, walk with the dogs for a bit and then you give the responsibility to someone else. Fuck, I'm so not ready to be a parent, am I? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely not ready to be a parent even the little one was like real cute and I was like I can fuck with this dog man this dog's very cool he's like three months old and very just so cute but I was still like okay be gone now for the next like 40 minutes while I eat my thing and then just magically pop back up I'd be the person who if I owned a dog I would bring a, a cage <laughs> to brunch so you walk there with the dog and then your food comes out and you just put the dog in the cage and go shut up <laughs> I'm trying to be a, a mid-twenties single man right now and I don't need you <sighs> yeah and then that, that was just like she wanted to keep walking around with her dogs and there was talk of the beach and I was just like I don't want to go to the fucking beach with your dogs man so we walked around for a bit and then I was like hey man I gotta go right and the first cafe that popped up I was like this would be great for me to ride at I'm choosing here bon voyage bro <laughs> yeah I'm out I'm done with your dogs ugh yeah it's gonna be weird when I get back to my I mean like Blake and the dog, Blake's dog is fine. When we move into a new place after comedy festival, that I can see kind of working because Blake understands that I have limited patience for a dog. And as long as it can, we have a situation where the dog can, I can like cordon myself off from the dog, great. If I have my own space, that's fucking sick, you know. But I don't want someone else giving me responsibility for their dog. 
because I'm a coward and I can't handle responsibility. I've been uh, oh, I've been selling some tickets. Actually, fuck, that's what I need to do, man, right now is I need to just figure out ways to promote my show. I've been flyering a bunch, which has been very cool, at like Fringe Central um, outside areas. I've been like... I'm just trying to make it feel like when I fly at people, I'm like, bro, you're on like the inside stream right now, you know? You're getting special treatment. So I got like, I've got um, a Sharpie that I'm carrying around and then whenever I give people flyers, if they're like into it, if there's two of them, I'll write them a little like note on one of the flyers. It's like, hey, come to my show, one free ticket, love Aiden, one, one, one. Um, or like, uh, I've been, so I've been promoting over Tinder as well, so... Uh, I had uh, a girl came from Tinder on Saturday and then on Sunday, I love this shit, man. I think uh, a girl came, I told her, like, come to the show and uh, she I, she was just like, what was it? She was like, oh, so you're using Tinder as like a promotional thing, are you? And I was like, yeah, 100%. Like, do you want to come to the show or not? Um, and she was just like... Um, Oh, that's right. I was like, how am I doing? Are you thinking about coming to the show? And she's like, yeah, you're doing okay. I'm doing the same thing, trying to get free tickets from comedians. How am I doing? Do you have any tips? And I was like, bro, bring a friend and I'll give you one free ticket. Absolutely. And she was like, okay, thanks for the tip. So, like, I thought she just wasn't going to come. I thought we were doing, like, a fun, silly, flirty thing and then expecting her to maybe be like, all right, well, what time is it? But she just said thanks. And then, uh, like, that was on Sunday and then on Monday, she was like, hey, I came to your show, Good Choice of Music, before the show. It was very funny, whatever. And I was like, fuck yeah. I love that people were just, like, down to come. She evidently searched me. And it's, it's real interesting. When you match with someone on Tinder, it's like, I mean, it's a physical thing. You look at their pictures and their bio and you go, am I attracted to you? Hypothetically, would I have sex with that, those, that person in those photos, you know? But then... At some point that goes away because she came to the show, didn't say hi afterwards or say that she was going to come or, hey, let's get a drink, just came and then left and then it's still like keeping herself at arm's length or something. So like, and I just, because that happened in Edinburgh a few times as well. I would promote my show on Tinder, girls would come and then later be like, hey, I saw your show, very funny. And it's, is it a confidence thing or is it a thing where the like sexual nature of the connection that you make with someone through Tinder is kind of lost as soon as you as soon as you start moving into some other territory so as soon as I start like promoting my show or start telling them about my show do they think like okay well we're not going to have sex anymore so this is just a you and your show thing so I'm not going to ask you for a drink afterwards or make myself known I'm just going to go to the show. I don't know, it's a weird thing. But I was very happy with the reviews. I think that's funny to be like... I posted it on, like, Twitter and shit, like, hey, the Tinder reviews are in, you know? I think that's funny. Maybe I'll... I've got to figure out a way to, like, put that... To, like, put that to, you know, like, media or whatever. i got to think on that. Anyway, uh... What else was I going to talk about? Shows, Perth Fringe, Tinder promo. I kind of want to get down to the beach. I need to do... Could I work that into like a sponsorship blackmail? I've not been wearing sunscreen at all. I'm like, I don't know, I think I'm very arrogant. I'm like, I don't need to wear fucking sunscreen. But I never get burnt. I've just been worrying about it because I turned 27. And I'm like, is this the age now where I'm kind of like with smoking and like sunscreen and all that kind of shit? It's like, do I need to start getting a bit more responsible with that kind of stuff. 
I'll probably forget this in like a month, but you know, you turn, a, you have your birthday and you're like, oh, it's time to knuckle down and make those things like a little bit more important. I've got to fucking take more responsibility for myself. I don't want to buy sunscreen. <laughs> it's like buying deodorant. It's like, it's good for like fucking four months after you get it. But in the moment you're like, eight dollars? Are you kidding me? It's like... Four McDoubles at, at Macca's, and I could have those right now. That's a, one and a half meals or sunscreen, which then maybe I won't get cancer when I'm 40. Like, I've been going out in the sun for so long. I've never, I don't think I've ever owned a bottle of sunscreen. Where do you even start? That's like a new area that I need to delve into. It's like, uh, you know when you start using a new product and you're like, well, okay, let's... What one of those products do I like? Like cologne. I got my first cologne uh, only because I got mugged in Manchester in September and the dude took 290 pounds out of my bank account and then my bank gave it back and so I just got 290 pounds a month later that I'd said goodbye to and it was like my last week in London so I was like, well, fuck, I'm going to buy some cologne. I've never had like an aftershave. Do you call it cologne? Aftershave? I don't know. Never had an aftershave before. Me and my mate went into Harrods and, uh, and found me an aftershave and it was sick. But it's like, I've never had that before, so I've got to like, try the new thing. That's where I'm at with sunscreen and condoms. <laughs> Brutal. As of like maybe a year and a half, two years ago, it's like I'm not just using other people's condoms anymore. I'm like, how about I buy my own for a change? And you know, you find your brand and whatever. That's probably too late for, ugh, I shouldn't have told everyone that. Fuck. <laughs> That's brutal. Um, that's where I'm at with sunscreen. I don't know the first thing about sunscreen. Do I get the strongest one? Do I get the one that's like just thick, you know, that's like matte cream or whatever? That's like, or like hair gel. The fucking hair gel that I got recently is so intense, man. It's like the first time I put it, like I got a new one that's like the thickest hold because I was like, yeah, I want the thickest hold. I want the best for me. I'm a good boy. I deserve the best. And I get it and it was so thick. And I put it in my hair, and it was, ah, it was bad. It was too bad. So I had to. I realized that I had to like rub my hands together to literally heat it up to melt it in a bit before I put it in my hair. This is the age of discovery, guys. I'm finding out new things, like Jean-Paul Sartre and that book that I didn't read when I was 20. 20. I was 20. I got to the end and I missed the last three pages. I had to read the whole fucking book again. Oh, there's those pins and needles back in my leg. I think this is probably the worst podcast I've done in a while. We're very low on focus right now. Why am I trying to hide things from you guys? I want to tell the story that I actually wanted to tell that I was avoiding. <laughs> okay. Um, it wasn't a friend that I went to, to that I went to brunch with. It was a girl that I slept with off Tinder. Why was I trying to hide that from everyone? And God, it sucked. <laughs> How far into the pot are we before I cave and... 20 minutes, 19 minutes, that's alright, it's pretty good. 19 minutes of avoiding something that I just really wanted to talk about before I could finally come out with it and say it. I talked to, um, I talked to Perry Cassidy yesterday, who's a comic from Melbourne over here as well, and he said some great shit to me that was just like, he was just like, yeah man, I'm a fuckboy, you know, that's what it is, I am a fuckboy. And uh, he goes, like, and I mean, I am too, definitely. I'm single. And uh, he goes, yeah, man, like, I just, 
I asked girls on Tinder, because he said something about how he was meeting up with a girl from Tinder in a two or three hour window from when she finished work to when he has a show. And uh, he was just like, yeah, man, I've never met her before, but like we um, were chatting on Tinder and I just asked her if she wanted to do it. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, holy fuck, how did you do that? And he said, it's just about being like very forward and honest and respectful in the same thing. Like, you know, not being like, hey, do you want to fuck? Just talk for a while and be like, hey, um, do you, uh, sorry if this is a bit forward, but would you like to sleep together? <laughs> sometime. Uh, I'm only in town for a few days. It's pretty clear that's what I'm looking for. If you're into it, I'm available. Let's find a time. And he said that and the girl was keen and like awesome, you know. And that has happened to me before where a girl has said that to me, but I've never had the balls to do that. And last night was the perfect example of when I should have been like, you know what, that's what I should have done rather than dance around it like that wasn't what we were going to do, you know, because um, the girl rocked up to the show and uh, it was quite clear that we didn't have anything in common, but we both like wanted to fuck, but we just fucking spent like an hour or two kind of hanging out, talking at the bar with other people hanging around, and like, you know, fucking another mate of mine, Lewis, was there hanging out, but it was clear like me and this girl, all it was for that night was we were just gonna fuck, and it was like, why did I tell her to come to the show? Why didn't I just be like, I'll come to your house after the show and we'll just do it, you know? And, uh, and, and like, you know, because it's like before you fuck, if you're not being honest about it, the two of you, then you've got all these grand designs about, like, the thing that you would actually want, but you're not the right people to have that with, you know? Like, like I think everyone ideally would like a lovely day with someone that they have a connection with, but if you're not talking to that person right now, what am I trying to say? Like, I would love a great day where I uh, meet a great girl, go for nice drinks and a dinner, and then we sleep together and we spend the next day together, we go to the beach and it's, it's awesome. That's fantastic. And so before we had sex, we were both deluding ourselves into thinking that that's what we were going to do, you know? So she literally was like, we should go to the beach in the morning and like, you know, like at that fucking sunrise. And I was like, yeah, great. And then as soon as we started hanging out, I was like, oh, there's no way we're doing that. Because I, ah, you're not like good enough company for me. Not that she's shit, just we don't have the right connection for us to go and do that, you know. And then like, fucking as soon as we had sex, I was just thinking of ways that I could get out of it in the morning, which is what that dog brunch shit turned into. <laughs> Fuck that. God, it was so bad. I hated every second of it. And I'm very sorry if she's listening to this um, because she was a lovely person, but we just weren't compatible. She was like smoking bongs, and I was like, Fuck, man, I don't want to. I don't really smoke weed. And uh, we were doing coke, but it wasn't good coke. And she was like, I got a hookup. And I was like, You don't have a hookup, man. <laughs> it's like baking soda. I fucking went to sleep straight away. <laughs> it was the worst coke I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Fuck. But the reason I didn't want to say this at the start of the pod is because I don't want to disrespect that person because she wasn't a bad person. It's just We just didn't have a good time together, you know. It was a bad date from two people who wanted to fuck and should have just said, hey, let's fuck from the get-go rather than submit. Uh, sub submit? rather than sub 
yeah, submit ourselves to a to a shitty fucking excruciating date situation. Some people are only meant to fuck. Some people are only meant to be friends. Some people are only meant for blah 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 blah. Me and that girl were meant to fuck, and then I should I should have left her house as soon as we had sex. I shouldn't have even stayed the night. Stupid. That's where you get from not being honest with people. Perry Cassie, you're a fucking genius. I bet you. I bet Perry is. What's the time? Oh, I bet in in like three hours time, Perry's gonna meet up with that girl and they're gonna have great sex without abandon and then he's gonna shake hands and he's gonna leave her house because he's a smart fucking honest dude and he's not gonna have to go to brunch with a pair of fucking dogs (laughs) you oh god that feels good to get off my chest motherfucker so for the rest of the day I am. I need to go home and just plan some admin strategy for some some like promotion strategy for my shows. I need to go send a bunch of emails. I got a review actually. Thank you to <coughs> the Fourth Wall in Perth for uh, reviewing my show. Uh, I got four stars. The review was real. Uh, my friend from Edinburgh messaged me and like had had read the review and said, "Man, that guy really got you," and I really appreciated that. You know, I think he really did. Um, Kieran Eaton, thank you so much for reviewing the show. I really appreciate it. If uh, if you're listening from Perth and you want to come to the show, uh, I've still got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the 16th, 17th, 18th of Feb here um, at the Brisbane Hotel. And then in Adelaide from the 3rd till the 18th of March at the Producers. And Melbourne from the 28th to the 9th, the 28th of March to the 9th of April at Pilgrim Bar. Um, all of those tickets on www.aidentarkojones.com. Come and fucking check it out. It'll be sick to see ya. How, how long we got left there? Alright, I've got to get to half an hour. we still got to do another five minutes. <laughs> what else can I talk about? Motherfucker! Um, I've been cooking a bit in Jez's flat. What do I want to cook today? Oh no, I've got... Alright. Does anyone know how to make chicken like that real juicy... Like when you cook it and it's not dry. I've been having that problem. Who we got? Do, do I have any chefs listening? Write me. Like so, I've been cooking this thing that's like, um, it's like Thai Thai curry paste and coconut oil, or coconut milk, in just like a frying pan with oil and then chicken fried until everything reduces and it's just the chicken there and it tastes fucking dope. But it makes the chicken real dry. How do you? not do that. I don't know how people learn to cook. Do you take cooking classes or do you just do like trial and error shit? I really want to be able to cook nice food so I can cook for people. That's actually a kind of frustrating thing right now is I'm staying with Jez Watts and it's great um, because we're both, you know, free during the day so I can just pop into his office like and just, like he's got a little study there. But the most frustrating part about living with him is he doesn't keep regular eating hours and I really want to cook for him. Not even for like, I mean, I kind of want to give back for being able to stay at his place, like a thank you. But more than that, I just, it makes me feel good to be able to cook for people and it's frustrating me to not, like that he doesn't keep regular hours so I can't cook for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I just, I'm like, accept my food, motherfucker. Take it. Why won't you let me cook for me? Cook for me? God, um... I, uh, oh, there's fucking turmoil in the flat back in, uh, back in Melbourne. Holy shit. 
Uh, one of my flatmates, Naomi, is moving out because uh, our other flatmate is very lazy and dirty and doesn't clean things around the flat and uh, it's just been an ordeal for like three or four, the last three or four months it's gotten real bad and uh, it sucks man, she's finally moving out, she's looking for a new place and Blake called me and was just like, apparently Naomi was like close to tears and frustration because our other flatmate just won't fucking clean, we didn't have a, uh, a recycling bin for like a week, I don't know why the council like took it by the, like it seems like the council took our recycling bin, you know like the actual bin that you put out on the street, so the first week uh, it wasn't emptied, like the truck went past and they just didn't empty it and um, my flatmate said that uh, it was because um, like there was food in it in amongst the recycling and they don't take it when it's like that, um, which I don't know, maybe, but then um, the second week, the bin was just taken away, like it was just missing. And every other bin on the street was cleared and uh, our recycling bin was taken. And I think it might have been because there were all these fucking cardboard things just like on the street, like in front of our house that were like rubbish from uh, when my housemate bought a new TV and he just like left all the cardboard and stuff there out on the street. Um, so the cardboard was gone and it was like illegally dumped, you know? So I think they... Do they do that though? Do they take your bins as like a punishment? I don't think they do. I don't know. But anyway, um, so because we basically in effect didn't have a recycling bin for like the week that it didn't, that it was still full and then the week that it was taken. So two weeks we just had like cans and empty bottles and shit piling up in this one little area of our house and it was fucking disgusting and the cat stuff wasn't emptied, like the litter box wasn't emptied, and that smells, and I mean, this is just stuff that, like, my my flatmate, like, it's his cat, and uh, it's fucking, he was the one who had mates over and, like, made all that mess in the recycling bin, and then it was his TV stuff that was illegally dumped out the front of our house. It's like, it all comes back to him and individually those aren't really that bad. You know, to have mates over, to have a cat that shits and not clean up after it, to fucking illegally dump stuff out of the house. But every problem seems to just be, like, rooted back to him and he never apologises and he never tries to fix it or get better. And so Naomi has finally just fucking lost the plot and... And, like, when we got the new recycling bin, I called the council and was like, can you deliver a new one? And they were like, yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm now in Perth, and I was like, thank fuck, I don't have to look at that pile of garbage in our house waiting for the new recycling bin to come. When it finally got delivered, Naomi was, like, in our group chat, like, hey, guys, the new recycling bin's here. Um, I put some of the rubbish in there. Um, can you guys please help and, and put... The rest of the stuff that was yours, that you created, in the recycling bin and just give us a fucking hand with cleaning up. And um, Blake called me and was just like, dude, you know that was directed at the other flatmate. And uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but Naomi's moving out and I'm real bummed about it because she is the best. She is a ray of sunshine in an otherwise bleak and cold world. This podcast has been completely devoid of laughs, hasn't it? Is that okay? Maybe this is what I want it to be. Just a little rant today. I didn't realise that I was in a bad mood. <sighs> and I don't think I am. But maybe I am. A little bit. If this is the things that I want to talk about. And I 
and I don't feel like I want to rant at all, maybe I'm in a little bit of a bad mood. I was just in a cafe um, after I left the dog girl. <laughs> Fucking, that's awful. <laughs> I was just in a cafe for like three hours and I feel full of caffeine. I feel kind of jittery and anxious and I had a lot of... I just, I'm, I'm reading this book right now called This Is Not The Story You Think It Is. Um, and it's about this woman who was married to a dream man for 15 years and they had two kids together, lived in a, a house in Montana and uh, one day he came home and he said, I don't think I'm in love with you and I don't think I ever was in love with you. And, uh, you know, that sentence like fucking throws their whole lives into disarray. And then um, rather than be like, oh my God, no, I he doesn't love me she was like nah bullshit bro absolutely not you fucking do love me you just don't know how to love yourself I'm reading that book right now and it's amazing I want to read actually fuck this I'm going to read an excerpt out of the book this is at the end of one of the chapters this is incredible she said please flip to the end and tell me that ours is a success story we got what we wanted right we pulled it off we just went through a rough patch or two and we didn't have to move back to the world we left with our tails between our legs or to uproot our family just for a job in an unknown city. Tell me that we found uh, prosperity right here in the town we love, against the odds, and that we didn't have to lose our land or our house to it. And tell me that I'll be okay if we do. Most of all, tell me that we're still idiotically in love. Just two seconds ago, it seemed like we were, until the man who was my partner in everything that seemed to matter, two balloons, the man who became my husband and the father of my children announced that he wasn't sure he loved me anymore deep in the mountains of northwest Montana. But I don't believe him. I just don't. I don't know if I read that that well, but fucking that passage really blew my mind. And then she was talking about being a writer <coughs> and how her dad always believed in her. And uh, he promised her this, uh, she promised to him this car that he always wanted but he died before she could become like famous and do it and I don't even know in the book if she is famous she's had like fucking 20, 30, 40 manuscripts rejected for novels by publishers but evidently she did get published because she's got this book but I don't know if it's going to work out and anyway I'm like a hundred pages into this book which is kind of like where it starts to get you know really into it and so I'm reading that and I'm like high on caffeine and I'm trying to drink this tea but the tea's making me feel even weird because there's still caffeine in that and I'm just feeling a lot of emotions and then I get that call from Blake telling me that Naomi's moving out which I already knew but I was just like fuck man I don't know how to feel about this I just I'm feeling very weird today and I got a lot of emotions and now you're telling me these things and uh I started talking about, he asked me about fringe and ticket sales and I was like, oh yeah, it's going like this and I'm feeling okay about it. And then right when I was kind of starting to get in on a roll with that, he was like, oh fuck, sorry man, I've got to go. And, ah! What a weird afternoon, man. Oh, that's it. I reckon that's it. I feel a lot better now. Fuck yeah. Hoy, we did it. My shirt's still open, but I'm not sweating anymore. I've been sitting on this stage. I hope you guys enjoyed that. I did. I really, really did. Um, fucking thank you so much for listening to Sitting Under a Tree. I've been Aiden Jones. Have a fucking great week. Peace.